Thoth's Hermes podcast. Welcome to the world of the Western esoteric tradition. Friends and listeners, welcome to episode 4 of season 9 of the Thoth Hermes podcast. My name is Rudolf and I am your host, talking to you here from the outskirts of the lovely Austrian capital of Vienna. And it is my pleasure here on Sunday, October the 9th to welcome you for this new episode where we are going to speak to David Pantano and our subject today will be the, well, not so famous, but he should be much more famous, Italian Hermeticist. And yeah, Hermeticist, I think that's the most important of his, uh, of his capacities um, of Giuliano Kremerz. And we will talk about Kremerz before and after. That's the title of the show. So what led to Kremerz, what came after him? And we have the right person, David Pantano, to talk to about this. I am very happy that you are here with me on this show, that you have, most of you probably, come back to listen to this uh, episode again. And to those of you who are here for the very first time, it's a great, great pleasure to welcome you here on the Thos Hermes podcast, a podcast that talks now over, since over five and a half years, about the esoteric tradition, the Western esoteric tradition mainly. I am very happy to have you all here. And if you are new to the show, and also if you're not new to the show, you have several things to do when you go to the website. Go to the website. It's really worth it. Thothermes.com, T-H-O-T-H-E-R-M-E-S.com. So that's Thothermes.com. And there you find all the shows we did so far with the show notes. And that's the important part. The shows you can listen to on many, many possibilities on YouTube. You can listen to them on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts and Spreaker and almost everywhere. But if you want to listen to them and at the same time read the show notes, you should go to the website. It is worth it. And we have many links there also to important pages that will leave you lead you further after having listened to the show. So don't miss out on that. And while you're there, you leave your message. Huh? And what about that? Send me a message with voicemail, which is on the first page there on the right side. You can always find a label voicemail and that's free, of course. And you send me voicemail. You can go on Facebook or Twitter. Send me email info at thoughtthermis.com. That's an easy way. Or even easier, on the website, you have a contact form from where you can send me messages. Um, also, if you're on the website, you should go and not miss out the Patreon button. Thank you to all of you who have been already supporters so far of this show. We need all of your support. You know, we have every week over 4,000 over 4, listeners, and that's really, really great. And hmm, I don't even dare say how few of them are supporters. I mean, it's unfortunately a bit over the place. It's like that everywhere. 
But, um, well, why should it be different here? So it would be really lovely. We need your support from $1 per show upwards. You are with us. And uh, if you can just afford $1, that's absolutely fine. And if you want to do a one-off donation, that's also possible. So on the website, we have a donation button. We have a Patreon button. Or if you want to become a Patreon, you can also go directly on Patreon and look for Thought Hermes podcast there, right? So thank you so much. I also wanted to tell you, for those of you who were uh, who liked to listen to Kaikobad radio that I had launched and which was running for a few months and which I stopped about five or six weeks back, there is some hope that it might come on a little bit under different circumstances. I'm at the moment talking to someone about that. Can't tell you more at the moment, but keep your eyes open and your ears open, especially. And um, I will keep you posted about that. It would be great if that came back on again. Uh, I'd love that. But um, well, let's not be, let's not be, let's not say that's too early. Let's put it that way. Um, But uh, let's hope it will work out. So today, of course, Giuliano Kremerz, already by his name, Giuliano, you see he is Italian and we speak about the whole Italic tradition of Hermeticism. You will find out what that is in a moment. And so I thought today's music should be Italian. Of course, Italian music is great. No, I'm not going to play opera again this time. Um, But, um, well, Kremerz, his main activity also was in the 1920s, and I picked a piece uh, of the 1920s, uh, a 1920s um, dance music, but very nice, very Italian, very lovely. And I thought we should open with that. It is called Chinchilla, but not written like that furry animal, but Chinchilla, so in the Italian way. Chinchilla Fox delle Lanterne, so a foxtrot under the lantern on Box d'Amore. It's it's really nice, it's very Italian. So it's Chinchilla Fox della Lanterne Box d'Amore. That's the full title of it, a jazz band from 1926. We don't even know the name of the band. A jazz band from 1926 on an original recording with that fox from Italy will open this Italian episode on the Thought Hermes podcast. Enjoy.
well, you can clearly hear that American music in the 1920s influenced Europe greatly after that terrible World War I. And uh, well, this was really Italian music of 1926. As the whole episode, we're going to play Italian music because we talk about Italy again here today, about the Hermetic Physician, as he was named as a title of that book that has been released by Inner Traditions lately, um, the magical teachings of Giuliano Kremerz and the Fraternity of Miriam. And well, that very book, actually, it's already the second that has been released lately by this publisher on Kremerz or with Kremerz writings. This book here is actually written by um, Marco Daffi. Marco Daffi, another Italian, it's a pseudonym. We are going to hear all about that a bit later. He who was a follower and kind of student of Giuliano Kremerz. But it's a lot of original texts and ideas by uh, Giuliano Kremerz in there. And David Pantana, who, Pantano, who has translated this book, is a great, great and very, very knowledgeable person on that period, on the whole of Italian um, hermeticism, Italian esoteric traditions. And I say Italian to make me understood, but actually he calls it Italic because Italy as a state, as many of you know, will only have existed from the mid 19th century, so to speak. And well, before it was Roman Empire and a lot of smaller states and church state, etc. So in order to give that a name, it's Italic traditions rather than Italian. We're going to also discuss this in the episode. Um, right. And David Montano compiled those texts, translated them for us. And it's really a wonderful collection. We and you're going to hear it. David, he knows everything about that. He's really great. And I hope to have him back on other subjects, because when you talk to him, you can feel he knows a lot more than only, so to speak, about Italic and Italian um, hermeticism. Um, he has also recently released another book. Anyway, we are going to hear all of that. I, I'm going to read you just a few lines from the introduction to that book, the introduction, the opening notes, translator's preface by David Pantano to give you a little entry in our topic here today. And I am then going directly into the interview. So here is what David Pantano has to say in the opening notes. With the centennial of his earthly passing on the horizon, the memory of Giuliano Kremerz looks like a shade, casting a luminous silhouette over the landscape of contemporary hermeticism. But who is Giuliano Kremerz? What is the fraternity of Miriam? What impact did they have and what influence do they exert on the contemporary hermetic tradition? These questions and more are the subject of this book. Among his many followers, Giuliano Kremerz, who lived from 1861 to 1930, is regarded as a master of the hermetic arts, whose universe of activities gravitated between healer, magus, alchemist and writer. As an adept, he was reputed to possess magical powers of prodigious proportions, including the ability to separate his inner self from his physical self and navigate the astral plane at will. As an author, he penned over 20 books and numerous treatises on a wide spectrum of subjects devoted to Hermeticism, and his hieratic writings are highly sought after by savants of the royal art. 
So if that is not enough to make you say, hey, I want to listen to this and, well, then go on probably in the study of grammars. No, really, he's someone who, for various reasons we're also going to discuss, has been a bit omitted and now returns onto the scene. And I think it's about time and we try to help that this happens here today with this interview with David Pantano. You know that I will come back in about, well, this time it's 37 minutes into the interview. We're going to take another break with a completely different type of Italic music that time. And um, well, for the moment now, let's go to, no, not Italy, to Toronto, because that's where David lives and uh, works. So David Pantano, and we meet him in Toronto at his place. Let's go there right away. Here comes the interview. And today on the Thoth Hermes podcast, I am happy to meet David Pantano, who is meeting us in his home, Toronto. David, hello. Good to be with you. Thank you very much for the invitation, Rudolf. I look forward to engaging with you and your audience. Great pleasure. Great pleasure. And we have quite an interesting subject here today. Of course, hermeticists often meet here on the Thoth Hermes podcast by its name. And uh, and we are going to speak about the hermetic physician. He, as the new book is called, that was three weeks ago released by Inner Traditions on Giuliano Kremerz. And it's actually not the first book that they release in the last uh, year or two. They have already released other texts by Kremerz very recently. And he seems to be uh, in a kind of renaissance uh, on his work and stuff. And it's about time, I think, to talk about him. And who is better placed than you, David, to talk about him? You translated <laughs> this book, The Hermit physician by the author called Marco Duffy. We get to know all about the background on this and who Marco Duffy was and why you did it, etc. And we are also going to speak about your own book that um, because I think before we come to Giuliano Kremerz, we should see a bit into the background of what you call in your book, the magic door, um, the Italic tradition. But even before that, um, David, if you want, um, I would like you to introduce yourself, your personal background, where you come from, what brought you to translate such kind of texts, to write such kind of books, um, what interests you in the matter, or maybe uh, whatever you want to talk about, what brought you to be the David Pantana that you are today? Okay, you, you start with the toughest question because I hate talking about myself. <laughs> but um, you've been so kind, we'll make an exception. Uh, yes, I'm a, I call myself an independent researcher, a historian, a fact finder on uh, a wide array of, of different topics, but specifically with the Western and Eastern esoteric traditions. Um, and... Uh, my, I guess, introduction to the works of Giuliano Kremerz was through um, another Italian author that I'm sure your audience has heard of called Julius Evola. Of and course. Evola, yeah. uh, so let me just rewind this back to when I was a younger, a younger lad uh, in the 1980s and um Evola wasn't known in English. I, I'm based in Toronto in Canada. I'm Canadian of, of Italian descent um, from the Veneto. So 
not mm-hmm. that far. And um, uh, so I, I actually came across in the 80s uh, works of, of Evola in en français because they weren't even published in English. And okay. um, Evola kept on referencing uh, this Italian magus called uh, Giuliano Kramer. I thought it's interesting. First of all, it doesn't sound like an Italian name at all. And then I did some research. Back then it was uh, going to the libraries and and doing some research and uh, was able to find which books were in print. They were solely in Italian. So I had to write a, uh, write a letter, a hand letter, and then a fax to the publishing company of of uh, Kremitz's work um, in uh, Viareggio in in uh, Tuscany, and I received his first works, and and I was actually blown away because my background in terms of Hermeticism and uh, that that whole uh, lineage that uh, Kremitz belonged to was through the works of uh, Renaissance magus magi like uh, uh, Marsilio Ficino, Giordano right. Bruno, uh, Pico della Mirandola. And that their Neoplatonic um, Hermetic worldview, and the the uh, erudition, that classical erudition, to me was just it was just a godsend. And that all di- that seemed to die. That that material, that body of work, with the Cartesian Revolution in the 1600s, where everything that wasn't empirical based was frowned upon as pseudoscience or 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 of, of a secondary nature. So a lot of the, the authors and the material that I like was no longer, it had a, an expiry date. And, but little bit been known that was, I know that there, there, there's Giuliano Kremers and the first works that I read of hers, which would have been Il Mondo Secreto, the, the secret world was, was a continuation. It was at that level. And, um, the bonus is that he added, uh, a modern scientific and psychological language as correlative to the philosophical uh, branch that was uh, in line with the, the works of these authors that I was, um, uh, I was fascinated with uh, from the Renaissance. So there was a media connection um, that uh, uh, the, the, the writing style, the mannerism, the topics was uh, akin to what my interests were. And so that started, I guess, in in the late 80s, my um, journey to find out more about Kremertz and uh, the work. And it led to going to a couple trips to Italy to meeting with um, pe- uh, people, who representatives of the fraternity that uh, uh, the, organiza- the esoteric organization that Kremertz set up um, uh, yeah, over, th- over 100 years ago. Mm-hmm. That's a short introduction to to Kremer. So it was via the works of Evola, who I guess through the Hermetic um, tradition, the introduction to magic, um, mask and visage de de mon, de mon spirituel. There are a number of books that he references Kremerts and re- references very highly uh, in terms of um, uh, acknowledging his erudition and his magisterium of work in in the hermetics in magical fields. Absolutely. 
Well, Evla, who has, of course, become a bit infamous lately again, but that's another matter we can speak about at another time. We'll talk but, about that another time, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Bring me but back. The, I'd love to talk about Evla. Absolutely. Sure. No, but the, 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 as a matter of fact, it's interesting that you be, have been brought back to Kremert somehow because Evla quoted him, as you said, So, but he preceded uh, Evla, so Kremert was kind of... Um, uh, partly, partly influencing, maybe also, maybe we can speak about that a bit later, but maybe we should, before we go into Kremert's plainly and into the book that we are going to talk about, uh, go a bit further back in Italian or Italic, as you call it, even history. And because you wrote that book, The Magic Door, uh, a few years ago, I think it was released three or four years ago, if, if I'm, yep. if I'm not uh, wrong. 2019, I believe. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Yes. And, uh, where you develop the whole story of the Italic, which then later became Italian um, Western tradition, so to speak. We even call it, funny enough, I've never seen that in that in that terminology, Western inner traditions, right? Uh, um, um, and um, so you and you start in in a very early age with Aeneas, with Virgil, I believe. Um, um, yeah. Can you maybe give us a, a rough outline of that book and what the Italic tradition is? Um, we don't want to talk where well, we don't want to tell all that's in the book because people should get that book and read it. But uh, maybe you can just tell us a little bit the rough history yeah, of um, Italian tradition. I'll try and I'll try and do the 60 second elevators p pitch on, on, on my book. So <laughs> yes. A book that's like over 250 pages. Right. So basically I think the nucleus of what this Italic um, esoteric tradition is, is that um, there, there was a, there is a, a vector of, 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 of a tradition that um, manifested in the, in the Italic peninsula in, in, in I guess in time for that, that preceded history. And what was characteristic and, and differentiated this tradition is that it talked about not of, of a, of a country, but of a whole continent called Hesperia and Hesperia is, the Western star. It's this, it's a Venus at the dawn and a Venus at, um, at the hour of Vespers at, mm -hmm. uh, uh, when the sun is setting and it talks of these Western lands and it's associated, um, with, um, other type of archetypes and other type of mytholo mythologies associated with Arcadia. So this, of this place of this Saturnia Tellus of this, uh, Primordial land where where people lived in peace and 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 heroes um, were were begotten from this land and and that is sort of like the 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 humus the 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 terrain from which to look at the, from this tradition is that um, it's a very much a Western tradition so it's not nationalistic based um, it it took root in the Italic peninsula and before there was things as nation states and so forth and there was specific physiognomy specific metaphysical components associated with what the, the the this new type of man that at this point and and i reference um some authors such as uh evola and a buck coffin who talk about um uh you, you know the 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 new type of man that 
that in the ancient world, specifically in the ancient Mediterranean world, where they, they took on a more of a solar type of, of, uh, of an orientation rather than the lunar, without denigrating the lunar, because the, the mother traditions are, are very important. But um, the, 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 there were a number of different um, metaphysical components that formed this tradition. Um, and, and one of them is, is contained within the name of Rome, Roma, Amor, Mora, mm-hmm. and Amor. So there, there, there is a mystery associated with that, that there were two sides. So the one is Maro, Mars, and the other is Amor, Venus. And the balancing of the, of the male and the female, the solar and the lunar, as part of this tradition. So it's, it's, it, it separated the, back then, I guess the Mediterranean was, was very much in the Western world, wasn't existent. There wasn't a, a physiognomy. There wasn't a tradition. There, there, there were sparks of light that were, um, that were uh, starting to develop. And one that took root and which eventually turned into, manifested in the physical sense as, as the empire or the uh, occult imperium it was a Roman empire based on some of these metaphysical principles that, that I, that I, I referenced to. And again, it's, I don't want to go too deep into it because we would only be talking about this at that point. But that sure. to me is the essence of this Italic tradition is, is rooted in this vision of the West as a Hesperia. Uh, under the uh, guidance of the of of the star of love of the of love as the transforming um, principle and force, and Dante refers it to in his Canticles, his last Canticle, where you know love is is what uh, turns the, the the stars in in the universe. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a theme, and you have the poets of love, the Dolce Stil Nova poets. You had the the Roman poets of Virgil and Ovid, who who talk about these type of traditions. And so there's that common thread that um, is, is associated both in the pre-Italian, in the Roman, even in the pre-Roman as, as the, the egregore, the metaphysics. And, and that um, feeds into the, very tra- into the very trajectory that took root in the, in the physical or the phenomenal plane as, as well as in the mental and the, and the spiritual plane. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. I I have, as I told you before we started the show, I have not completely read that book yet, but I have read big chunks of it and I can only tell people, well, do get that book. It's really an interesting one. I was also fascinated to read about Cagliostro because I hadn't seen him, for example, the Egyptian rite that you mentioned in that book, also in that lineage, so to speak. I saw it. I know the subject quite well, but I had had not previously, wouldn't have put him into that lineage. And it was interesting for me to see how you you did that. There's very much a connection between Cagliostro and Kremertz, the school from which they both developed this Neapolitan Egyptian school yeah. that had its roots with the excavation of Pompeii and Herculaneum yeah. in the, uh, in, in the, in the earlier part of the century by Raimondo de Sangro, who is sort of the father of the modern Egyptian Neapolitan hermetic tradition. And from it, the various branches of uh, Egyptian rite Freemasonry that you talked about, not only right. Cagliostro's Egyptian rite, but the rites of Misraim and, uh, right. and of Memphis. And then the, the Miriam is, is a, um, is a, is a offshoot of that as well. You know, okay. different than Masonic, but it's, it's, 
it's connected with it. And the Egyptian order, which was founded by um, uh, Raimondo de Sangro, uh, is the order that oversees the Miriam, the, the fraternity, the, the Isaac fraternity that um, Kremer set up in the 1890s. That still exists today. In various forms, yes. Yeah, in various yeah, forms. Yeah. Is that the an Egyptian school which was based also in Naples, or was that the one that then moved later on to Venice? Um, so the the school originally started with Raimondo de Sangro, mm. and um, in the in the seventeen in the seventeen thirties, so he he founded this order. The he he founded this order called the. Rosa d'Ordine de Magna, which is an anagram of his name. And there were 12 masters. And, and from this nucleus of, 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 of elect adepts, there were various branches that um, brought it, went into Scottish Freemason, Scottish Rite, an Egyptian Rite that came up. Originally was the, the Mizraim that went mm. into to Venice and then in the 1800s, I think in France was the first um, development of the Memphis Rite, and then Garibaldi in the 18 after the unification of Italy, he combined the um, the Memphis and the Mizraim into one rite. But there are all other types of rites as well. And then Cagliostro, who formed his own theurgical rite with three degrees, uh, was went to the same school in Naples. And one of his his master was a part of the Egyptian order, the twelve that we talked about. Uh, so that was founded by uh, this Prince Raimondo de Sangro. Right, um, interesting. And well, also Henri Shudi as well in the in the in the the Glorious Star as well. So there are various yeah. offshoots of this uh, Egyptian order. Yeah, yeah the, and the Egyptian Freemasonry is, is, a, is a topic for me, at least two other shows, of course. <laughs> it gets so we complicated. Got a lot to talk about. <laughs> Absolutely, it's all it's very complicated in the 18th, 19th century, especially. Um, yeah. But now let, let's talk about that. Uh, I was interested in that link between the Cagliostro Naples school and bringing that into Kremitz. Before we do that, um, maybe we should, you should tell people who Giuliano Kremitz was, because we have now mentioned his name often, but as I said, even among well-versed hermeticists, his name is still some kind of, well, maybe not unknown, but people don't know much about him. So yeah. tell us well, a bit about true. him. That's a fair statement to make. Um, Kremer uh, is probably the leading hermeticist in, in the contemporary Italian tradition. Uh, he's considered the preeminent one in the sense of he, he, he had both his skills in terms of practical, operational hermeticism and theoretical in terms of writing or of a, of a, a, of a level that's not um, that's not not achieved by by anyone else in contemporary uh, in the contemporary Italian tradition of hermeticism. The school that he founded, called the Fraternity of Miriam, the Therapeutic Magical Fraternity of Miriam, was an Isaac school. So based on the um, based on on lunar, developing lunar powers rather than the solar or Osirian powers, which is a, a, a deeper level. And um, he, 
So Kremers was, uh, as I mentioned earlier, is from the Na- from the region of Naples, specifically a town called Portici. And that uh, the Nip- Neapolitan schools referred to earlier was the nucleus of, of this Egyptian-based um, uh, hermetic thread. And the association was that there was an Isaiah, I mean, classical Roman times at uh, Pozzuoli, that's close by to Naples, that uh, with, the, um, with the famous uh, um, volcano of uh, Vesuvius was, was buried. And within the, so in the excavations that occurred uh, in the, in the uh, 16s and 1700s, uh, and a lot of it was under the tutelage of Prince Raimondo de Sangro, Mm-hmm. There was this uh, Isaiah that was uh, uncovered, and from them there were certain manuscripts and so forth that were uh, uncovered, and they became part of the archive. That's that's the 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 word on the street, anyways. So Isaiah being a temple of Isis, basically, right? Exactly. Yeah, right. a practicing mm-hmm. temple of Isis back in uh, classical Roman times. So we're talking right. around, you know, fifty BC to, to till. The uh, the eruption, which is I think in seventy uh, CE AD. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that so the 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 last pontifex of this museum was called Mamo Rosar Amru, who is the egregore of of this tradition. Right. And um, so Kremerts was uh, at a young age uh, in his in his in his house. Uh, he came from modest background, is is from his father and, and mother modest. And uh, in his house, there was an initiate called Izar bin Eskor, who was part of the Egyptian order, and he was known for being very strong in 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 uh, therapeutics, thaumaturgy, and al- and uh, astrology, and as well as alchemy. So Kremerts at a young age was brought up or tutelized by this master occultist named Izar. And uh, he, as, as a young man, he, he went to, to France, uh, apparently to, to some of the Martinist schools and to some of the uh, mesmerist and magnetic schools to develop skills. And uh, he was initiated into the, uh, into the teachings of this hermeticism. We, we are talking um, early nineteenth century here, right? When when we're talking, when he, actually, yeah. Now we're talking about uh, late eighteen eighty. So Kramers, okay. to give you some timelines, was born eighteen sixty one and mm. died in nineteen thirty. Exactly. So his first twenty twenty five years is is not much known, um, but his his schooling, his profession was, uh, I think, he was as a uh, a teacher, a historian. And then he went to, in the late 1880s, early 1890s, he went to South America where um, uh, he lived a very adventurous life. And part of that, he, he received a degree in, um, in, in medicine and in, in um, okay. normal type of medicines, if, if we want to use that term. Mm-hmm. School medicine, what we call it today, right? right. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. So he had both the, I guess, the um, school-based medicine as well as the more internal therapeutic medicine. And at that time in the 1890s, when he returned from Argentina and other Latin American countries, uh, he, he, he met up with his 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 mentor, his master, Izar, and there was a, a cholera pandemic that was just ending in Naples. So not too dissimilar to the pandemic that 
supposedly ended in, in the Western world uh, this year. Mm. And um, Kremers was saying to, to his master that, uh, he, he, you know, to help out the, the, because, you know, the decimation of, of the population and specifically those who were of a pure, of a, of a poor background and, and the lower social economic background was just immense. So he wanted, he asked, he wanted to develop a, um, an order that would, f- to, that would focus on developing not only in individual and, but collective psychic powers and where the application would be for healing, for, for therapeutics. Mm-hmm. And then Kramer said the reason why he, he chose us was it was the, uh, vehicle that was less suited to developing egotism and self-aggrandization. So there was a selfless, uh, uh, benign component behind it. So he started this school in the eight, middle 1890s, around the same time that he started publishing his first work called Il Mondo Secreto, The Secret World, mm-hmm. which led him into trouble because with the local Egyptian order that we talked about, this 12 members that oversaw the various Egyptian uh, esoteric groups, they felt that Kremeritz was was feeding uh, pearls to the pigs, that he was giving this information out to those who who weren't worthy of receiving it. There was they were very much a conservative um, and and a hierarchical worldview from this uh, from the Egyptian from these Egyptian order, the members mm-hmm. of the Egyptian order. So that set the the ball rolling in the 1890s, and he wrote about Kremitz wrote around 20 different texts and number of articles on a vast array of topics on hermeticism from divination to theurgy to practical medicine, hermetic medicine to divine and, and um, practical and natural uh, magic um, on the tarot. He, he very, wrote very much on the, um, on the art of love as well. So um, it's, it's in, an inner alchemy and uh, and he as well. He was leading this fraternity, this of, of red robed monks, of hermetic monks called the Miriam. And he also had a school called the Scuola Philosophica Italica, which was sort of like the um, a, li- a library of different works of this tradition that members or aspirants to to being part of this uh, of this tradition could read up on and, and become familiar with the, the doctrinal components of, of this Italic branch of Hermeticism. And interestingly, as you just said, the, the book was not called Escola Filosofica Italiana, but Italica. He still, even though at the time, I believe already the unification of, of the kingdom of Italy had happened, exactly. um, he was still using the, the ancient term uh, Italica, so wanting to link it back to historical times, right? Yeah, and 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 fair to say, it wasn't just for um, uh, for show. There, the the, the, the always said that the school that he wanted to found wasn't to be a mystical school; that it was to be on a, a Pythagorean base. So, very much, um, you know, very much positivistic in the sense that it's one thing to show. Um, uh, to write about these wonderful theories, but you have to be able to practice and, and produce them. 
And that's one of the, the components of this Italic tradition. It goes back to Giambattista Vico, who's another Neapolitan philosopher who challenged Descartes. And Descartes says that, you know, the truth is based on what can be empirically verified. Mm. Whereas Vico said that's a very much a, a, a lunar type of uh, epistema, you know, that you, what, mm. only what you, your physical senses, the five senses can perceive is what truth, what the real um, litmus test of truth is what you can create. And creation comes from, ins- from inside. And, and so, and then he cites the, the, the Pythagoreans and the um, uh, other, other branches of, of classical uh, literature um, as, as examples of it uh, from, from which to feed into this uh, current. So it's very much more than just a, um, a historical connection. It was the, the look at the source of inspiration to the classical times, to some of these authors and the works that even that preceded them, that um, uh, to understand from the mystery school. So even the the, te- the medical or the hermetic teachings of of, of medicine of the- thaumaturgy had their components in the Egyptian and and the Asclepian schools of the mystery traditions of ancient Greece, mm-hmm. where they would mm-hmm. use various dream therapies and other types of spiritual means as a support to some of the physical interventions to help uh, afflicted individuals to relieve of pain and, and eventually to recover where also possible. Those, those therapies where people went into caves, I believe, into the dark for some time, and, and that, uh, which was done in, in, in parts of Greece, but based on Egyptian knowledge, they said, right? Yes, very much the Asclepian schools were based on some of the EHOP of um, medicine mm-hmm. schools that were uh, developed and, and advanced in in uh, in in your in Egypt in you know pre Hellenistic Egypt as well Pharaonic yeah. Egypt yes yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what the Egyptian group now back in Naples um, what they felt offended by by Kremers probably was the fact that he was very he didn't want his hermeticism to be very arcane, but rather for at least helping the people, maybe not for the people that would be exaggerated, yeah. but, well, exactly. but at least open to the people, right? Yeah. So they, they, this, the Egyptian order were very, as I mentioned, very conservative and um, reserved. They were members of the nobility, very rich people. And, and Kremers was basically, the, if, you, if you read the statutes, which is, which is included in the book, of the, of the Miriam for, for the novices. I mean, it's his intentions were to develop her, hermetic um, medicine clinics throughout, throughout Italy and, and eventually throughout Europe. So it was very much um, opening up the, these esoteric practices to a broader audience. And that uh, of course didn't sit well with the more conservative elements and hierarchical elements of, of the Egyptian order. So there was some, he, he, Kremers was, did receive some flack and there, even some people suggest it was the reason why he first moved from Naples to Bari and from Bari to, um, to Beausoleil in, um, the, in, in the French Monaco. Monaco, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's where he also died in the end, I believe, right? Exactly. He died in, in thir- 1930 in May in uh, Beausoleil, yes, Beausoleil, in Monaco. Yeah, yeah. And... Yeah. Um, but, um, I mean, we're speaking here, as you said, late 
late 19th century, which was also elsewhere the time where we call the time the, the famous occult revival, so in France, in England, etc. Um, was Kremers, in your view, part of that occult revival, but in the Italic Italian way? Or was he a complete separate movement from that, which happened at the same time, but did not have any any yeah, relation? Yeah, that's a really great question. That's a great question, Rudolf. I would say that it's a bit of both. So as I mentioned earlier, Kremers in his uh, younger, as a younger lad did go to south of France to learn um, some of the techniques of mesmerism and magnetism. And that's certainly a component of the healing that the, that the Miriam produces in their, in their rituals and their, in their applications. Uh, as well, he participated in a number of spiritual seances. There's a famous, a, a Neapolitan, um, a spiritist called, uh, Yuzapa Palladino. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he, w he participated Uh, in these various spiritualist, uh, mediumistic um, uh, seances, and but he went away disappointed. And he said to his master, Izar, is that, you know, people come here to be entertained, not to be transformed. They, 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 they come, they come, they leave as ignorant as they first came. And they, they just want their senses to be excited. So he wanted a school where individuals could develop their own powers and faculties, but also create this collective energy, this reservoir of, of benign energy to use um, and, and, to, and to, to, to help those who needed um, relief uh, in whatever manner the, the affliction that they had. Mm. So he wanted to go further than the uh, practices of the time, which were based on Christian science with the seances and mediums. And, and magnetisms, he took from those practices the best part of it in terms of how to enter into your ma magical space. But he also was based on some of these Italic traditions, some of those Neoplatonic and Hermetic strands of, of inner alchemy uh, to be able to use some of these um, uh, native type of practices and combine it with the more modern um, uh, esoteric and occult practices of the day. Right. You just mentioned Christianity and Christian backgrounds, of course, which we are especially in France, uh, an important part of at least some of those, like Peladon, those people at the time. But exactly. um, Italy being a very Catholic country by definition, um, was Kremert's influenced by Catholicism or was he rather the hermeticist as we know many of them today who would be well a generalist when speaking about spirituality or what what, what was his background in that yeah in that um, yeah I mean that's that's a that's always a very difficult question because he no he doesn't come out and identify his his religious his beliefs and so forth mm -hmm. he lived very much within the context of the of the people in the country that he was with the there were a number of members specifically of this egyptian hermetic tradition that were uh, influenced by pagan ideas and mm. and and so on and so forth and um for for Kremers, he my reading of his material he looked at the the the, the spirit spirituality manifests itself in in various contexts 
and over time and and, and over geographic and, and various ethnic uh, ethnic uh, contexts as well. So his his writings includes references to not only to Hermes and Mercury, but you know also to to various Christian examples. It's it's more understanding the philosophy, the the forces, the the, the, the spiritual component, understanding that those roots rather than their actual manifested, which is contextualizing the relativity of the day and of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I could, I could also say that, um, uh, that his work in itself certainly would have, he would have been influenced by the various religious confraternities uh, that were around that time that had various prayer sessions that would intersect on those who were sick or those who were dying. So there is a lot of the physiognomy in terms of the, the, the rituals, the, 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 the wearing, the fasting, those type of things that certainly could have that type of connotation. But also, again, I talked about earlier these archive of books that tend to go back to Babylonian times, Chaldean times, and even Egyptian times. So uh, Ezar had this famous uh, astrolog- astrological calendar based on the Chaldean and, um, and the Egyptian calendars. One was a solar base, the other was lunar, to do various types of rituals for healing based on the season and the time. And there's this book that's published called on that called the Lunations, the Lunazioni, that... Um, take elements not only from from ancient times of 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 the Babylonians and then Egyptians but also has medieval uh, um, um, components as well Paracelsius exact exactly so it wasn't very much exclusive of anything and and it it just mentioned that if a member wanted to be part of the Miriam to you know to, to leave their dogma their dogmas behind because this was supposed to be a, a scientific uh, and an empirical based uh, type of order where they, where your development needs to be validated um, uh, in 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 uh, more in more manners than just on the belief system. Mm-hmm. Kramer always says, "Don't take anything that's said here by by its word. You need to be able to validate it." with yourself and now let's take our musical break as usual in the middle of the interview and as i promised it's going to be music from the country that is now called italy but is actually music from roman times ancient roman music pugnate it's called the piece by a group uh, um, well, the group is called Pugnate, sorry, and they say called, just call the track Musica Romana because it's a kind of mix of different types of music, but which they say is being performed in the way it was done at ancient Roman times. And as we have been talking about ancient Rome um, before, I think it would be a good fit, wouldn't it? Okay, but a little bit unusual here today to have this music, but... We always like unusual things in this podcast, don't we? Great, then. So let's listen to that. And after the Roman, the ancient Roman music, we return to David Pantano and speak further on about Kremers and what comes after him and um, all further topics on that very interesting person with a very interesting person to speak to about it, David Pantano. At the end of the interview, 
we have, uh, well, that needs to be Neapolitanian, of course, with all that we are talking about. Tar- tarantella, Tarantella, uh, like it should be in the good old style Tarantella Napolitana. Just called like that. It's called Tarantella Napolitana. Solo musica, okay? So, um, looking forward to that as well. And after the Tarantella, I come back. No, I'm not going to dance the Tarantella. I'm just going to sit there and tell you who will be our guest next week. And so I am now going to leave the stage for the ancient Roman music, after which we, David Pantano and I, return for the second part of the interview. And then the Napolitanians will play us a Tarantella. Okay, go and enjoy.
What I find interesting, among other things, of course, is um, that, at least at, to my knowledge, we find here, and maybe we can speak a bit more in depth about that fraternity of Miriam, um, we find here uh, a healing procedure based on hermeticism, on Egyptian hermeticism, whereas in Uh, Western traditions, when we speak about healing, it's mostly Rosicrucianism, which comes to mind, right? Um, am I right that this, this, this hermetic approach is quite singular in, in, in the history, at least of the, of the last few centuries of hermeticism? Or am I just uh, reading no, it a I, bit? Um, no, I, I, I agree with you, uh, Rudolf. That was my impression as well. When I first read this material, most of the esoteric material is very heavily based on um, Hebraic, a Judaic type of, of, of rituality, specifically like the Golden Dawn. Whereas the, the, the Miriam, the Kremerts school, it, there's a much more of a Neoplatonic, Greco-Egyptian, Italic um, components to it. The references, the, 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 one of the... The erudition of some of these members that I'm talking about, they had a classical knowledge 
that's just uncommon these days. It's a classical knowledge in the sense that they they can quote Dante and Ovid and Virgil and and Homer and 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 and, and a number of the 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 works that they talk about is is based on that level of erudition. So it it's very much what I call a sui generis type of tradition that um, the as the egregore says it was brought to, to Italy through migrants of if from Egyptians and they they formed this uh, Iseum and just outside of of uh, Pompeii mm-hmm. and from that there was a number of practices including healing which formed the egregore that the Miriam would revive um, the tw- uh, 20 centuries later and maybe 19 centuries later is the Miriam the fraternity of Miriam would you call it an order does it follow initiations by grades like other uh, societies of the time or what, what yeah, is you it? Could, you could say it's an order it's, it has five grades from the novice to, to the master Miriam. And there's also the therapeutic Miriam that have to show, they have a, re- they have to show a record that they, they were involved in healing individuals and to be able to document that. Um, so it's very much, and I mentioned earlier, it's an Isaac. So it's a very much a lunar. It's the base on, 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 on one's own uh, inner inner um, skill, inner skills and inner qualities. But uh, for those few who are able to reach the master level, some are initiated into the Osirian um, level. So there is this also uh, uh, another order called the Osirian Rite, that um, Osirian Egyptian Rite that has more solar-based rituals and practices. And also founded by by Kremers at the time. Uh, the so there there are a number of different solar what they what Kremers called Ammonian rites, Ammonian reverse referring to Capricorn, the constellation of Capricorn, which is um, conducive for the soul to to uh, exit from this world into a higher plane. Um, they are. There are a number of different Osirian orders. Some are, uh, over time, they were under the purview of these Egyptian orders. Kremers had his own Osirian Egyptian order, um, which uh, was a, a step up from the Miriam. It's difficult to see how it fit into this um, broader context of Egyptian orders, just because a lot of this material isn't available, and there's a lot of conjecture involved, so it's difficult to to sort out fact from fiction, but there, mm-hmm. there are a number of different Egyptian orders there are a diff- number of different Assyrian orders and solar orders that, um, that pertain to this period. Right. Um, Kremers, you said that a little bit earlier and now we're coming also to another name, Marco Daffy, who of course was writing parts of the text that you translated for that book, the Hermetic physician that we are also talking about here. Um, um, Kremerz is, I think his original name was quite different. He sounded much more Italian, his yeah, birth yeah, name, right? Yeah, it was right? Giro Formizano. Exactly. And some people spell Kremerz, Krem Erz, with a hyphen between those letters. Um, yeah. Do you, can you tell us what it means? How did that name come together? And where, what, what for why? Kremerz? Yes. Well, Kremerz, um, it's a, it's a, it's a magical name. So Krem is from one of the uh, Jannies from the Sharon Sharon Faresh. And um, 
and Ertz is a, is a, is a suffix associated with that. Mm-hmm. And Daffy actually in, in the next book that I write, uh, talks about that, uh, translates that, um, in, in, in terms of the, um, what that, what the, what the occult meaning of, of Kremertz is. Okay. So it's, yeah. So it's, it's, it's representative of his Jenny mm-hmm. that, uh, of his magical self. Right. Um, Marco Daffy was initially a, um, I guess you would say a, a student of Kremertz, even though he himself, uh, wasn't part of the Miriam when Kremer, when Daffy is a, Student is a pseudonym for um, uh, the the biographical name of, of the individual was was called Baron Richardo Richardelli, who came from a very rich Neapolitan family with terrains uh, throughout central and southern Italy, and uh, he he was in contact uh, through member of the Roman fraternity called the Academy of Virgiliana, the Vir- Virgil Academy. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 1926, and uh, he met Kremers in 27, and Kremers recognized that this was a man of a very emancipated uh, soul of an inner 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 development. And they, uh, over a three-year time, they had a number of correspondence, and uh, from that, it was the impetus for for Daffy to develop his own trajectory in this tradition. And and Kremers uh, apparently Kremers put. Daffy in touch with the Egyptian order. The Egyptian order by this time was led by a prince, Leone Caetani, who was anti-fascist. So we're talking the periods in the late twenties, early thirties, and he moved to Canada. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, Daffy uh, had a correspondence with uh, with Caetani, uh, and also um, was received some of, some of the inner practices of the Egyptian order. Uh, to help with his development and some of his healings that uh, uh, that uh, rich, that uh, Daffy was involved with him and Daffy, I, as some people say, after Kremitz is the initiate of that level of a master level, and he wrote wrote about 15, ten to fifteen books and um, and and uh, articles. Most of them that weren't published in his lifetime. Most of them were published after. Uh, Daffy died. Daffy died in 1960. He was born in 1900. And um, Daffy was more focused on on, um, on the Pythagorean anonymous, that is re- recollection of past lives. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had he was known for having um, psychic abilities. Uh, Daffy was the, the head of the, uh, was a guest speaker of the Academy of Tiberina, which is a famous um, uh, intellectual academy goes back a uh, hundred years uh, in in based in Rome, where he would give talks on all aspects of 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 uh, esoteric world, such as with um, um, uh, divination, mantisism, on on um, alchemy, even on uh, tradition, spiritual traditions of the East and the West. So he had a very broad knowledge and a uh, very interesting um, writer that um, I'm starting to p- publish and, and to translate more of his work so it can be uh, recognized and it can be read by those who are, are interested in this uh, branch of uh, the Hermetic tradition. 
was uh, Duffy, and I, I, I believe his his uh, name was the pseudonym was also kind of a Egyptian derived. I read somewhere Mofkohek Duff was kind of yeah. So I mentioned earlier, Duffy, right? Yeah. So I mentioned earlier Rudolph. So so Duffy was um, was. So Daffy was provided a number of practices from the Egyptian order. Da- Daffy felt he was missing something. He, he, went, he went to a period of crisis in the 20s. He was introduced to Kremerts where he felt there was something missing in his personality. He wasn't able, he was, he was feeling incomplete. And, and he rec- the conversation between Daffy and Kremerts, it was, it was revealed this was from one of Daffy's intuitions or, or developments that he was an incomplete avatar, okay. which meant he had very high certain uh, uh, intellectual components, but he was missing his third body. So in this tradition, they base it on the, uh, the, the, uh, that each being, each uh, organic being has four bodies, a solar, a mercurial, a lunar, and a Saturnian. Mm-hmm. And that, Daffy was an adept or realized in three of those bodies. He was missing his lunar body. Okay. So he was, and, and Kremers congratulated Daffy for this, for this intuition, for coming up with that, because they, they, it was part of their, there was a conjecture in terms of do, how to identify what that, what was the missing component. So, so after Kremers died, Daffy continued his correspondence with the Egyptian order based out of Canada with Prince Kaitani, where he had a number of practices. And some of these practices was part of a past life regression. And part of his past life, Daffy realized that he was a, uh, a Phoenician sacerdote who was working at uh, the, one of the temples of, of an Egyptian pharaoh. And there was some incidents that were involved that a curse was put on it. Okay. So that, I'll just leave that, the, the little bit of tidbit. But apparently, so, so apparently Daffy would go into these almost seizure-like contortions where he would have these past life uh, reflections come out and he would take on a different voice and his, even his, even his, his okay. appearance would change. And um, m- much of his writings were based as Marco, as this sacerdote called Marco Heddaf, mm-hmm. which is a Phoenician sacerdote. So that's Phoenician, the, okay. yeah. So that's the the storyline between behind the pseudonym that right. he was using, which really isn't a pseudonym, which is is, is what he referred to as his. Aonic name. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you. That's very intriguing. How much Kremerts is in Duffy? I mean, um, they only met for three or four years, as you said. Um, uh, when he writes about the fraternity of Miriam and Kremerts, h- how much is there Kremerts in Duffy? I would say um, so. Duffy always referred to Kremerts as, as a mentor. So he never, um, he also criticized Kremerts as well. So there are some points of criticism in terms of doctrine and practice that, that um, Daffy had disagreements with. And that's fine. And Kremerts always said, don't take my word or don't take anybody's word. You need to validate things himself. But it's, it's always a constant reference point. Specifically in this Italic tradition, you, you have Dante taking Virgil to get 
you know, as his mentor to get to get out of Inferno to go into Purgatory and from from Purgatory as a stepping stone to to a Paradiso. And I look at Kremert's the relationship between Kremert's and Daffy is similar to what Dante's was with Virgil, is that he's the he he's what got them there. He's what he's the basis, the foundation, but Daffy goes further. Um, just like Dante went further than, than what Virgil wrote. Virgil wrote in his fourth book of the Ecologues about, you know, the uh, about a catharsis and and, uh, and so on and so forth. And it's sort of the impetus to to Dante's being in the mid mid midlife crisis in the dark forest where you know he enters this place that uh, is all dark and he doesn't know where he is. He's scared, but a light appears and a voice comes to him. He says, who are you? Right. No one asks me who I am. Who are you? That's why you're here. Right, right. So it's, it's right. a similar scenario. Yeah. Okay, 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 interesting. And so he really refers back to the early exactly. Italic uh, tradition, right? And right. specifically to Kramer. So Kramer is his, his, his reference point throughout much of his work. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Very, very, very interesting. Um, uh, this show is called... Uh, Kramer's before and after. So before, of course, because we talked about a lot about leading to him and what was his inspiration and his, his, his tradition, so to speak. Would you would you call Kramer's uh, being somebody, maybe if it's a bit predated to call him that, as a traditionalist, or is he completely different from that current of Guénon and 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 the likes? Um, is he is he diverse from that? Yeah, uh, it's funny you mention that. Um, the the only mention that Kremers has of, of Gainon is um, G Kremers did a review of 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 a couple of uh, of uh, Gainon's uh, works in the early twenties. I think on the Theosophism and on on contemporary spiritualism, where Kremers praises Gainon for his erudition and his very tight arguments. However, he says he makes out a tradition another religion. That's what he con what he mm. condemns. He actually puts forth, and and so Kremer says in terms of Hermeticism, it's not about dogma. It's not about you know my I, my my philosophy is better than yours. It's a very much an organic, which means the truth grows, mm. and it needs to be validated. And those who take a dogmatic approach, much like some have referred to Ganon, are not Hermetic. So that was his major contention. So to answer your question, I would say not in the sense of the of this uh, of the Ganonian um, canon of traditionalism, mm. closer to perhaps to what Evola was. Mm. And Evola is, is like a heretic for some people in traditionalism because he did, you know, he he took major issues with with the, the master. But um, it's so the tradition that. Kramer's follows is is of, of a alchemical hermetic tradition, right? Of specifically of that Italic branch that that we've talked about earlier, which probably inspired him also to be more open and less arcane than, exactly. than traditional. It's where right and yeah yeah uh -huh, uh -huh. I I see what you mean. Um, and where does he lead? I mean, we spoke about Duffy now, who was the kind of. Well, he was the mentor for Duffy, and he went on Duffy. But what came? After Kremers, why, 
why do you think has it kind of in our minds disappeared and is now coming back finally? But what happened between his 1930s yeah. and and with those last 18, 19 years, 90 yeah. years? Right? So that's a good question. So the, the, the Miriam was always a reserve society. Again, it, it wasn't um, it wasn't about money. It wasn't about power and publicity and so forth. It was really about setting a really serious order to practice Pythagorean, um, these Pythagorean practices. And Pythagoreanism had two components. It had the empirical, where we associate with with mathematics and, and building, but it also had a spiritual, as like I talked about earlier, the amnesis of, of going inside yourself to get outside of yourself. Um, so that that was his 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 goal. And it wasn't about building the biggest or, you know, this empire. Um, that being said, after Kremeritz's um, passing in 1930, the, the Miriam itself, it, was, it went underground because of the fascism was very much anti-Masonic, anti-occultist. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the practices continued in various chapters in, in small circles and in individuals. After the Second World War, a couple, a number of these different chapters came up, and then, similar to what you find in in, in Masonic world, there was a bunch of different people who uh, leaderships who are claiming that they are the sole inheritors of Kremers and others denouncing others. And then I think in in nine, uh, just a few years or maybe twenty years ago. This one or one organization that's based out of Naples actually went to court, and they they have the legal right to call themselves the um, Orthodox um, School of of the of the Fraternity of Miriam and the Scuola Scuola Hermetica Italica Classica, but there are other branches that call themselves, you know, um, a, a ca- Cremertian Academy and call themselves Miriam with a Y, others with an I. And to me, that's le- less interesting as, as the philosophy and the, the practice itself, to me, is where the, ri- the value and the richness in terms sure. of the, the human side and the, the personality side, to me, that's less interesting. Even though I did, in my 30, 40 years, did meet with a number of different representatives, and they're, they're interesting characters, as most people in, this, in, in the esoteric, esoteric world are. So, but um, I think the doctrine and the philosophy to ask why it's still, why it's seeing a resurgent is because it's it's of that level that it can provide for many people who are searching for an an authentic tradition that can open their eyes and provide them with answers to questions that they can't get elsewhere. Yeah, those legal issues about naming of traditions, we have had that in Golden Dawn, we have had that in Rosicrucianism, it's amazing. Um, if somebody who is interested in the fraternity of Miriam and those teachings, apart from reading the book that we are talking here, The Hermetic Physician, um, if in practice they would like to look that up or meet or, or, or find um, teaching, where would you nowadays send them to? Can you say that or is that tricky? That is tricky. I would say, first of all, I mean, I'm a, I'm a researcher, so I'm at arm's length. Mm. And I think that's, it's a good, it's a good um, practice is not to get enamored with any individuals or any organization. Always go with an open mind and always have 
your independence is, is paramount. But those who want to get, um, I, I mean, it's not difficult to go online. You can do some searches. Um, there, if you can read Italian, it's probably a good place to start. There are a number of different uh, books uh, that are published that are from Kremertz. And from the quality of that, you can get a sense of the organization that's behind it. So, I mean, it's not that I'm sure there, there, there's a broad section of those who are less credible versus those who are credible. And I'm, you know, I would, if somebody asked me for a reference, uh, I would provide what I've just said. If they really press me for some names, I would have to do some further research because I'd mm -hmm. be weary in terms of, um, you know, misdirecting people down, down the wrong path. And that's for any esoteric organization. To me, again, the, the material, the philosophy, the practices are, are, can stand the, the test of time. And that what the individual can, in terms of studying and learning, learning about is uh, to me, to me a benefit, especially if you, if you have a great love for, for um, the, the type of material that, that as a wisdom tradition that you found in the Renaissance and, mm. and, and, and of the classical world as well. If that really resonates with you, then this is a, a really good tradition or branch to follow up on. And uh, if you want to do that now as a solitaire, I'm not talking about entering a group or so. If you want to learn and also practice that tradition, where do you start with then? Well, in in my um, in my book, I, I include two rituals: uh, the 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 Aries ritual and and the Spring ritual from from Kremertz's uh, first um, journal, the uh, book Volume Two of Immondo Secondo, the Mondo Secreto, and that gives you a sense of the the various components of it. There's a daily ritual. There are talismans. There are, the various fasting and so forth as well on the, um, in the book, the medic physician, there are the, the guidelines of the order itself. So you get a sense of what is the scope of, of this fraternity of Miriam. And from that, it's a question of purification mm -hmm. is that, uh, you know, you're able to, to use these practices as a means to, go through those three levels of inner transformation, the black, the white, and the red. And it's, you know, to the individual seeker could benefit from that because there are, there, there are practices and guidelines that can help the seeker in, in each of those phases. Yeah. That's yeah. beyond the scope of this book, but, um, mm. Yeah, there, there's there's a wealth of knowledge that one can 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 find if they know what they're looking for. Right. So Kramer seems to be appearing back on stage, so to speak, also in English language now, peu à peu to speak English. <laughs> um, and um, I have uh, I've also mentioned the book by in traditions that was published earlier, uh, The Hermetic Signs of Transformation, which are, I believe, also texts by Giuliano Kremertz um, that have been published in English for the first time about yes. uh, a year or two years ago. No, three years ago, in November 2019 already. Time is flying by. And um, and uh, this book now, The Hermetic Physician, that, that you translated, um, 
Are there other things coming up, uh, texts by Kremers that yeah. we should be able so to look on, at? On, for sure. On the Hermetic Physician, you'll get, you'll, you'll, you can read a biography on, on Kremers. You can read the histography of the Order of Miriam. Uh, you can read about the various Hermetic healing practices that were put in place. It goes in quite detail. It's not very vague. It actually specifies the three type of healing, a direct, an ind indirect, and, and neutral healing. Mm -hmm. It talks about the various bodies that we talked, the hermetic bodies that constitute the individual and understanding how to assess ailments based on karmic issues, uh, as well as the various, um, uh, the, 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 the cosmic uh, context that one finds, one finds himself in. So it goes quite detailed, not only, in the, the, the surface areas, but also digs deep into the, the doctrinal and practices. Also, we've included, as I mentioned, a number of, of direct writings from Kremritz itself uh, on the, the, the guidelines of the order, the, the Practica Fundamentala, the fundamental program. Uh, we included um, as well on two rituals that uh, the novices or aspirants were used to enter into the, into the Miriam. So it's, it's a pretty full picture of profile of who Kremertz is, of the Miriam, the type of practices, and goes into detail in terms of uh, some of the rituals and the, the paraphernalia associated with that fasting and, and the various um, conjunctions of, of lunar and uh, celestial uh, components. Yeah. Well, it's fascinating to speak to a person like you who is so well-versed and like almost <laughs> like an encyclopedia of the time and period on Kremers and, but not only him, that's the fascinating part, you know, all the background. 35 years. Yeah. Okay. So the next, I'm working on a next book. I was going will, to ask you, I hope you're doing something else with that. Yeah. So the next book that I finished the manuscript, um, and I've sent it off is on the works of uh, Marco Daffy which mm -hmm. is going to be very interesting. They're much more in the inner alchemical component. And um, there's, there'll also be a biographical and he was known for being uh, part of a, a famous trial called the trial of the Magus. So we're going to include selections from that as well. Mm -hmm. And a summary of the various works and books that uh, go under the name of Marco Daffy. So it's going to be another really good cross section of, of both, doctrine and practices. It's mm -hmm. going to go much more deeper though, uh, into the aeonic components of individuals and, and, um, uh, right. talking about bo the bodies of glory and the various means to separate the lunar self from the physical self. Mm -hmm. So it's something to look forward for, look so forward the, to. That, that sounds great. Um, but we don't have a date for that yet or, or something like that. No, not yet. I just space. I actually just finished it over, over the weekend. It's, yeah. it's something like, uh, over a hundred thousand words or so, 120,000, wow. something like that. So guys, this is brand new news, breaking news, so to speak, <laughs> a book on Marco Duffing on the horizon. Let's hope it will appear in this world soon. Um, well, um, David, um, this was a fascinating talk. I really enjoyed it very much, and I'm sure our listeners did so as well. Thank you for being with us here. And um, I just hope that we will have the chance to have you back on the show at some point and right. maybe speak about 
some other of the topics because when I speak to you, I, I realize that there are many, many things we could talk about and it would be just as erudite as you are on Duffy and Kremers and, and, and the Italic tradition. Um, exactly. Thank you so much. And um, well, thank maybe you, you have a, me. a final word for our audience, uh, what, they, what they should be on the lookout or what's your impression on the, the development on Kremers or anything that you would like to say? Yeah, I, I think for the, the audience, the reader who's looking for something deeper than what you com commonly find in your esoteric or new, new age type of reading material, that you would value a lot from Kremertz. He's the type of author that you go back multiple times and you pick up different um, components because it's very nuanced. As I mentioned, he comes from an, a, a time and a place where uh, classical knowledge of and erudition was, was much more um, advanced than, than it is today. So the, the, the reference material is, is really fascinating. Um, he's, he writes in a very... Kabbalistic way in the sense it's, it's, it's very much um, based on a mythopoetic type of, of reference material. Um, but it also he combines it with a strong scientific and psychological um, rationale or logos. Mm. So it's, it's, again, it's very unusual. It's very difficult to define, to pigeonhole him because he's very much a one of a kind. Um, and uh, his material itself It's difficult to translate because of that. It's difficult to capture all the nuances. Um, but, um, uh, you know, hopefully that uh, a reader who picks it up will be able to, to, be, to be enticed by this and, and, and want to find out more information. Mm -hmm. And if, if, any of your if any of your listeners would want to be in contact with me, I'm on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, okay. You could even write to the publisher. I'd be glad to answer any questions mm. that you have on, on the Hermetic Physician or on my other book, The Magic Door. Great. And as usual, we will have your, your links to your, to your pages and all of that on the website on Offsauce Hermes for the show notes. And of course, as I often do when people want to contact authors, they write to info at thoughtservice.com and I'll hand it over to you. If you want to answer, you can do it then right away. So that's also a possibility. Happy to help. Great. Thank you, David. Thank you for your time and um, good luck with all your plans. And um, well, it was great to have you. Thanks for having me, Rudolph. You take care.
Della Napolitana, what a lovely music, don't you think so? I think it was worth playing that here today. All Italian music, starting with the 1926 jazz band from Italy, then ancient Roman music, and now Tarantella from Napoli. And in between all that, a wonderful interview with David Pantano about Giuliano Cremerz, a great Italian hermeticist, which you all should discover. It is about time that he will be better known on on the stage of Hermeticism. And it was also very interesting to hear about David's book, about what happened before all that and his opinion on what came afterwards. And as you hear, there will be hopefully sequels to what we just heard um, with the publishing house, but also hopefully 
with us here and David. Thank you, David, for being with us. Thank you all for listening. It was great to have you. And well, thank you for coming back next week. Uh, yeah, well, I'm sure you're going to come back next week because next week will be a return, the return of somebody I really like to have here on the show for the third time, actually. Mark Stavish is back. He was already here once this year even, but it's always so interesting to talk to him. And a little bit as a follow up and what we started touching here today, we're going to talk, be talking about traditionalism, etc. And I know that uh, it will be very interesting to hear Mark Stavish discuss things with me on that. So, um, yes, well, I think that's about it for today, isn't it? Um, we've had the announcement for next week. We've had a wonderful interview before that. We had lovely music and I had lovely guests, both David and you all who were with me listening on this show. Thank you once again and take care. Stay tuned. Hear you soon.